Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So we're going to continue this morning on our series about overcoming fear, the paralyzing effects of fear. And uh, I'm really, really being encouraged in this series. And I, I believe today that this morning will be a great encouragement um, as well, because the, the topic this morning is the fear that the promise that God has given us won't come to pass. There could be many people like that this morning. They're really struggling with that fear that the promise that God has given you won't come to pass. So that's the, the heading this morning, the topic. We're going to delve into 1 Samuel chapter, um, chapter 26 or 7, I think it is, in a couple of minutes' time. But before we do, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for uh, this next 25 minutes that we have together in your word. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to help us to be free of fear. Holy Spirit, this morning I surrender myself to you. I just uh, ask you today that you speak through me, Lord. I pray that my words would be the words that you would want to say this morning. I pray for revelation. I pray for revelation that brings about transformation. And so, Lord, I just humble myself and surrender myself to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing uh, this series, as I said, on building a life uh, that's full of uh, uh, free of fear, I should say. And uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago how fear has the potential to get around our hearts and around our minds and really hamstring our lives, really potentially hold us back from the future that God has for us. And I said uh, last Sunday morning, I've said it the last three Sunday mornings, and I'll say it again, I wonder today how many people within the kingdom of God, God's great kingdom here in Shell Harbor, but right across the globe, I wonder how many of God's people are held back from the call of God, fulfilling the call of God because of fear. I would say that there'd be many people today that are held back by fear, held back from pursuing the call of God because they fear. Well, the good news is this series is about overcoming the paralyzing effects of fear and becoming the overcomers that God has called us to become. And as we've looked um, over the last couple of weeks as well, we've seen that time and time again, over 115 times in the Bible, God comes to his people when they're facing trials and he says to them time and time again, fear not. Amen? If you're here this morning and you're struggling with fear, they're the words from heaven to you today. Fear not, amen? For God is with you. God is not against you. Your God is for you, amen? And whatever he's put in your heart for you to do, you can do if you choose to overcome fear and to rise up in a spirit of faith. And rather than say that I can't, say that I can. But some thoughts about fear. We touched on it last week. Just to recap a little bit about fear and anxiety in Australia. Listen to this. Millions of Australians are affected by fear every year. In fact, anxiety is one of the biggest health uh, problems in our community today, anxiety and fear. Fear, and we learned last year, last week, that fear just doesn't affect you emotionally, but researchers also found that fear will affect you physically as well. Did you know that? If you allow fear to get around your heart and around your mind for long enough, it will affect you emotionally and it will also affect you physically. It will hurt you over a long period of time. So I got to thinking during the week about looking at some of, uh, some of people's crazy fears and just wanted to read a few out to you because I thought that they were quite interesting and I'll just have a bit of a hack at trying to pronounce them, all right? I won't do it correctly, but first one, uh, dinophobia, fear of dinner parties. Depends whose house you go to, I guess. Arithmophobia, fear of numbers. Selenophobia, fear of the moon. 
genuphobia, fear of people's knees. What the? What's that? It's bizarre. Fear of people's knees. Uh, another one. Octoberphobia. Fear of the figure eight. Illumophobia. Fear of garlic. That makes sense, doesn't it? And this is a really strange one. Sinist sinistrophobia. Fear of the things to your left. How are you feeling, Dave? Under control? <laughs> so crazy fears that people are afraid of. But today, again, we're looking at the fear that what God has promised won't come to pass. And there could be people here this morning are still waiting on the promise that God might have gave, given you last week, last year, last month. And the fear could be that that promise that God gave you may not come to pass. Well, the good news is this morning, we're going to go to the Word of God and discover that God is faithful and what He promises and what He says He will ultimately bring to pass. Amen. You know, for me, I, uh, I think about the, uh, the, the promise that God gave uh, to us about eight years ago when we uh, said yes to coming to Shell Harbour. And I opened up this... Um, booklet this morning and this page of paper and uh, I put it in a plastic sleeve because this paper now is eight years old amen it's getting on a little bit and it was some of the things that God said to do about uh, Shell Harbor but the first thing that God's promised when we were coming to Shell Harbor is that God would uh, would uh, pour out his spirit over the church in Shell Harbor and there would be a move of God that would go out through this community church and affect the whole region now God gave me that eight years ago amen and we still haven't seen it come to pass yet. Amen? But that was a promise that God's placed in my heart. And you might be here this morning and you've got a promise in your heart as well. And you might be thinking, well, why isn't it coming to pass? I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let go of the promise of God. Amen? I come back to that piece of paper. Maybe every couple of months I go back to it and I just read it out and I just think about it and I pray again. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm not going to let go of that promise. Amen? Because I believe that God's going to pour out His Spirit in such a unique and unprecedented, unprecedented way in this place that's going to shake the whole, the whole greater city of Wollongong. Amen? Amen. So this morning it's about that. It's about getting a hold of the promise again that God's given you and not letting go of it. Amen? So we're going to look at the Word of God this morning, but we want to just start with a couple of little thoughts about the promise of God because, you know, they're, 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 there's a thing that, that I want to encourage us in today. And the, the, the reality is that sometimes there's a period that's known as the test of delay. The test of delay is one of the most difficult struggles in the Christian's experience. The test of delay is the time between receiving the promise and getting a clear word from God and the fulfillment of the promise of God. Amen? See, eight years ago, God gave me a promise but now I must be in that period of the test of delay and I've just got to be faithful. I've just got to wait because ultimately God will bring his promise to pass. Amen. And if that's the truth in my life, then I want to say that that's the truth in every other person's life as well. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles open to 1 Samuel, uh, we're going to go to a scripture in a minute. But I want to just start with a thought out of uh, the life of David. We're going to look at the life of David this morning because it's a great blessing and a great encouragement. But I'll just kick off this morning. Then in a couple of minutes time, we'll go to the Word of God. The first one will be 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16. But to start with, in 1 Samuel 16, God anoints David as the new king of Israel. 
Remember that story there where Samuel, the prophet, goes? He's, he's sent by God to Jesse's family. And uh, Samuel comes and he anoints David in front of the whole family as the new king of Israel, right? That was the promise that David received right there. You got that in your mind? That was the promise of God. He anoints David as the new king because God says to Samuel, um, Saul's time has ended and now David's time has begun. But we see in David's life, some incredibly challenging circumstances that must have at times made him fear that God's promise wouldn't come to pass. A real quick overview of David's life in this short period of time. Firstly, we remember David as the giant slayer, shepherd boy. Remember that? David and Goliath, astounding story there. Then we see that as a result of that, uh, uh, David's loved and adored by Saul's army and the whole of Israel. In fact, they're singing songs about David. As he goes in, Saul has killed his thousands. But David has killed his 10,000s. Remember that in the Word of God as well. He was so um, um, loved and adored by the whole nation. Then we see, as we move on, Saul's envy and jealousy of David causes David to flee. And no longer is he living in a palace, but now he's living in caves. Interesting change in events. And now Saul is on a campaign to kill David. Saul is doing everything that he can to kill David. So here's David. He gets the promise from God that God has anointed him now as the next king of Israel. And as we see in the word of God right now, things aren't working too well for him at all. He's gone from the palace to a cave. He's gone from having the respect and admiration of Saul to now having the man that he once respected and admired now wanting to kill him. I mean, what's going on? You know, there are times in our lives where we can feel like that. God, what's going on? God, have I missed it? Did I really hear from you? Is it going to happen, God? If God has spoken, why then do all these circumstances seem completely contrary to your plan for my life? Why am I going through all these things that are happening and taking place? Well, I want to say this right now. Listen to this. What we need to learn about while we're waiting for the promise is this. This is found in David's life. David was being prepared for the throne, but was in the period between the promise and the fulfillment. He was in the uncomfortable period of preparation and testing. Amen? Preparation and testing. If the promise hasn't come to pass in your life yet, then don't be discouraged and dismayed. Keep being faithful. Keep moving forward. Keep believing. Keep trusting in God because our God is faithful. What He's spoken about um, your life and my life will come to pass. It will. It will. There will be such a move of God in this church that it will affect the whole of the Illawarra. Now, when I got that promise, I didn't even know what the Illawarra was. I didn't even know what Shell Harbour was, where it it really was. I came a couple of times, but the whole demographic of the area. But God put that promise in my heart before I even came to this place. God will bring it to pass. But, But listen this morning. He'll bring that promise to pass in your life as well. And I think without exception, David must have had times where he really struggled with the thought, well, God, you've promised that I'm going to be the future king of Israel. Why am I living in a cave? And why is this madman now trying to kill me? 
All of us struggle with thoughts like that. God, why won't it come to pass? But what I find very encouraging in 1 Samuel chapter 23, have a look in verse 16, it says this. This is so encouraging and this is the faithfulness of God because David's probably at his darkest time. He's probably struggling more than ever before with the promise that God gave him in 1 Samuel chapter 16 about being the future king. And we see the faithfulness of God here and it says this. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. And he said to him, do not be afraid. He said, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. I love that there. David's so dark, and he's in a really bad place, and he's discouraged. And what's happening, God? Well, you know, Why aren't you doing what you promised me that you would do? And he's in this really dark place of bad circumstances, and yet the faithfulness of God comes along. God sends Saul's son Jonathan to encourage him. Isn't it great when people send people to your life to encourage you? Amen? In this whole journey of believing God to build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail, there, there are ups and downs in this journey of faith. Amen? And sometimes, you know, we can get really discouraged as a church and really like, oh, weighed down, but then God's faithful. What does he do? He sends a Bruce Hillen or he sends some, some other prophet. Someone comes in and they speak into our lives and they encourage us again. Amen. I thank God for the times where he comes and encourages us. But the question this morning is this. What do we do in, this, in those times when there's no one there to encourage us? That's really the thing that we want to delve into this morning. What do we do? When we've been given a promise of God, God's promised us something, and we're in a, seri- a, p- a period where there's opposition and there's things going on. What do we do when we're in that period when there's no one there to encourage us when we feel like we're on our own? Well, we're going to have a look at the life of David again. Is everyone all right this morning? You need a five-minute. You're getting something out of the Word. If you haven't yet, you will. But we see here in the story, we can learn from the life of David because sometimes carrying the promise of God can get a bit hard and a bit heavy. And we think, well, why bother? Why bother? Why should I continue to believe that my husband's going to get saved? Why should I bother to believe that there's going to be a financial breakthrough that you promised me, God? Why should I keep believing? Because I want to encourage you. We need to. Let's not stop believing for the promise that God has given us. But 1 Samuel, there's three chapters, chapter 27 to 30, 27, 28, 20. Uh, three chapters there i just want to give you a little bit bit of an overview in first samuel chapter 27 david makes an alliance with the philistines to escape death from saul and he he his men and his families now live in their land that's the first thing i want to bring out of first samuel chapter 27 they make an alliance with the philistine and the reason that he does that is saul is persistently trying to kill him and he thinks david thinks that the best way to avoid that is to go and live in the land with the philistines in the first part of first samuel chapter 27 then in chapter 29 the philistine princes as they gather together to go into battle against saul they they get gearing up for a battle against saul the philistine princes come together but what they decide the princes is to reject david and his men on the battlefield and they are told to return to their villages absolutely devastating but the thought that we find now and this is where we're going to learn a couple of little points out of in first samuel chapter 30 if you've got it open in your bibles if not go there now first samuel chapter 30 verse 1 so david and his men are told to return from the battle line to go back to their village as they return back listen to this this morning this is what they find now it happened when david and his men came to ziglag 
on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. That's where they were staying. And had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no power to weep. Have you ever wept like that? Wept until you had no more power to weep. Pain grief so they wept until they had no more power to weep and David's two wives that that one and that one and Abigail the widow of Nabal the the Carmelite had been taken captive now David was greatly disturbed and distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man and his sons and daughters what a great place to be in not Here's the man, anointed of God, future king of Israel. God's promise, you will be the next great king of Israel. His own men are now thinking about stoning him. We're going somewhere, just hang in there. Before we look at how David coped, let's do a very quick recap of his life since he received the anointing to be king. So since he received that anointing to be king, out of raging jealousy, Saul had driven him from his country. Out of a mistrusting fear, the Philistines had asked him to leave their camp. Out of revenge, the Amalekites had raided his hometown. Out of plundering greed, his wives and his children had been taken captive by the Amalekites. Out of anguish of heart, his own trusted friends who he had sheltered were now threatening to kill him. Sometimes we struggle with the promise, but I don't think we have any of that sort of opposition going on, man, do we? Look at David and where he is and and what he's facing. Incredible. His own men that he he led are now wanting to throw big rocks on him. But this is what we're going to learn and finish with this morning. Look at David's response in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Remember before we said it's great when we're going through that time from promise to fulfillment and someone comes along to encourage us. Remember that? But then we said, well, what about when someone's not there to encourage us when we're facing great opposition? Listen to what David did right here. Because this is what we need to do. In verse 6 it says, but, everyone say but. Now say it big. But. Now say it like you're you're a black preacher. But. Come on, you can do better. But. Almost. (laughs) Listen. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. Amen? How can we strengthen ourselves while waiting for the promise to come to pass? Three things, and then I'll finish. Three things. How do we strengthen ourselves while waiting for the promise to come? Number one, we must keep a positive mindset. We must keep a positive mindset. The first step in finding strength in God is to have the right mental attitude. This means guarding our thought life from being seduced to doubt or discouraged, which are like parasites that feed off our negative thoughts and our words. You know, you and I must continually understand Satan's arena. He only has one power over us, and it's this, the power of suggestion. Okay, you got it? 
Get that? The power of suggestion. What did he say to Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis? What, was his, what were the serpent's first words to them? Did God say that? Wow. Saying, did God say that about a move of his spirit? Phil, did God say that about your future and what he's going to do through you? Satan comes and his area, his arena of attacking our lives is through the power of suggestion. He wants to come and bring doubt and negativity. He wants to come and speak those words just the way that he did in the book of uh, Genesis in the early uh, first few chapters there with Adam and Eve. Did God say that? So the first thing is we must keep a positive mindset. Amen. I know it's hard work to do, but listen to what Paul taught. This is why Paul taught in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Oh! Woo! That's on fire, that verse there. That's so hot, we need to put some water on it. Woo! That's an amazing verse just there. Every time the enemy brings a negative thought, I'm meant to take that captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Every time the enemy says God's not going to do it, I need to take that thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Amen? In other words, I physically and emotionally and spiritually refuse to allow that thinking to stay in me. Amen? Come on, so the first way, how do we find strength in God? Number one, we keep a positive mindset. Number two, the second thing that we need to do, use whatever means we find works best for us to touch God. It's important times when we're going through times of trial and we're waiting for the promise to come to pass that we find ways of keeping ourselves in touch with God by having seasons where we encounter the presence of God. And you know, everyone does that differently. For me, I love just being on the water. I feel God's presence when I'm the water, not on a surfboard because I can't surf. Maybe this year I'm going to learn to surf, Marty. A Malibu at, fa at the farm. As long as they put a, a, a shark net around it firstly, though, because we don't want any encounters. There's a new movie coming out. I shouldn't even say it. It's called The Shallows. Don't watch it. If you love the water, do not watch The Shallows. You will never get back in the water. You won't even have a bath again after you watch that show. That's how bad it will affect your life if you watch that show. I tell you what, it will set you up for pain. But for me, I encounter God's presence when I'm on the water. For you, it might be a walk. For you, it might be going out to the bush. For you, it might be um, going to a, a time in, in prayer. It might be putting on a worship CD or something like that. But it's so important when we're waiting for the promise to come to pass that we continue to have encounters in the presence of God to refresh our hearts. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says this, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Don't you love that scripture? That's for all of us this morning. So the second thing, use whatever means we need, finds best for us to touch God. How do we strengthen ourselves while we're waiting for the fulfillment of the, pro the promise, the fulfillment of the promise? Third thing is this, pray and continue to seek God for a breakthrough. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 11, 
Jesus starts to give some, first, uh, some of the first lessons to the disciples on prayer. And he uses a very, very in- interesting and important uh, parable to teach the disciples about persistency in prayer. Amen? Persistency. A couple of people are nodding off. Say it. Persistency. You got it? Right. Persistency. Luke chapter 11. Hope you didn't spit on someone in front of you then. And he said to them, we're almost done. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend, Jesus speaking, and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. Get the picture. I cannot give, I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, Jesus speaking, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, yet because his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Jesus was talking about the importance of being persistent in our prayer, praying until we receive a breakthrough. And that's the third way that we strengthen ourselves while we're waiting for the promise to become the fulfillment is that we pray persistently. Amen. God doesn't mind us coming before him continually and crying out. In fact, I believe that's part of the journey of seeing the fulfillment come to pass of the promise that he gives us. Amen? So keep a strong mind. Guard your mind. Find ways of encountering the presence of God and pray consistently. Amen? God is faithful. So what happens with David? David's so close to being stoned. We see in verse 6, but David chooses to strengthen himself in the Lord. But the reality is all of their their wives and children are still in captive. What does David do? He goes and inquires of the Lord, and the Lord says to him, David, gather the men, rise up, you will overtake them, and you will bring back everything that has been stolen from you. That's what he does. He gathers the men, they go, they recapture everything that was taken from them. But this is the the, the verse that I want to conclude with this morning because David went through trial went through tragedy went through heartache but then in 2nd Samuel chapter 5 verse 3 listen to this for when all the elders can I get the keyboard please when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed king that they anointed David over all of Israel over all of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 16, just a shepherd boy, just a a ruddy-faced boy, anointed as the next king of Israel. But then you see trial after tragedy, after trial after tragedy. But you see someone that was encouraged by another, but then found the strength to encourage himself in his God as well. And ultimately, God brought the promise to pass. You know the lesson for for us this morning? is this, is that if we continue to be faithful and we continue to believe in the promise that God has given us, no matter what takes place, God ultimately will bring that promise to pass in your life. Amen. How do we know that, Bill? Because it's in the Word of God. Amen. We see it in the life of David. Is God any respecter of persons? Did God like David more than he liked me? No, God's no respecter of persons. So I want to encourage you. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? I want to encourage you this morning about the promise that God's placed over your life. Amen. That dream, that uh, vision, that scripture that he's given you this morning. Not to let go of it, but to hang on to it and keep coming before God and trusting God and knowing that God is faithful to bring that promise to pass. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven today? Father, we just surrender in this place this morning.
we thank you, Lord, for the promise, but also we thank you for the fulfillment. Lord, we can take great heart this morning in your servant David, his journey, his story, Lord. We're no different to him. You are no respecter of people, Lord. What you've promised, you shall bring to pass. Listen to Isaiah 46. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east. The man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. And I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will do it, says the Lord. Amen? Put your hands together this morning for the great King. Father, you've spoken it, you will do it. You have purposed it, you shall achieve it. We bless you and we surrender to you today in this place. And everybody said, Amen.